Welcome to the SF Music Tech Startup Competition. So, yes, we're gonna get pumped. Um, if you're an early adopter, if you're into the cutting edge music tech, you are in the right room. These are the companies you need to know about. So take notes, keep an eye on these guys over the next year and see what happens. Um, so I'm gonna start by having the judges do their intros. So we'll start at the end. Just let us know who you are, what you're up to. Cool. Last session of the day. Ready for drinks? <laughs> Yay! Um, Michael Drexler, I run corporate development for Warner Music Group, and you know, investing in all kinds of companies, strategic mostly. My name's Todd Tate, from the SF Music Tech Summit family. Also a co-founder of Musical Turk, building the data quality platform. Thank you. My name's David Lowry. I am, I'm one of the founders of Hydric Media, who are a technology studio that work with music streaming companies, record labels, brands, and startups to build awesome digital products. My name is Dallas Kashuba, and I founded a company called Dreamhost. We host a lot of, actually we're 20 years old now, we host a lot of websites for music things and tech things and music tech things, along, along with everything else. Um, and I'm also a lifelong music lover and uh, sometimes investor in music tech, and that's my primary attachment here. Yeah, my name is uh, Patrick Anding. I'm uh, an attorney at Wilson, Sonsini, Goodrich, and Rosati. Uh, we represent a lot of uh, technology companies and many companies in the music tech space, so we're always happy to be a, a, a constant supporter of this event. Great, and I'm Patty Silverman. I'm obviously the host. Um, I'm an advisor to the SF Music Tech Summit, been with this community for quite some time. I'm also on the advisory board for South by Southwest, and day-to-day -day, I work as a consultant doing community building for companies in the music tech space. So on that note, we have uh, a word from a few of our sponsors. So I'm gonna call up, is you Noodle in the room? Perfect, so we're gonna have a couple minutes and you're gonna chat about, you're gonna use my mic. We're gonna share up here. Hi everyone, uh, I am Shilpa Prasad and I'm here representing YouNoodle today. Um, we have been supporting uh, the SF Music Tech competition, the startup competition specifically over the last two to three years. Uh, at YouNoodle, we have believed in the power of change based on the power of startups. And we're a seven-year-old uh, company that works across both the private sector and the public sector. So uh, talking about corporates or investors specifically, we, in our agile virtual acceleration model essentially find um, startups that are super early stage and are able to connect them to opportunities in a fashion that it impacts the lines of business for our partners and clients. So once again, thank you guys for having us and we're delighted to be partnering with you again uh, year on year and hopefully we'll continue to support you guys. And YouNoodle was the platform we used to do the judging, so they helped us facilitate that. Uh, next, SendGrid, can you come up, Tony? Thank you. Hey, everybody. Y'all doing okay? Oh, come on, it's last session of the day. You doing all right? Give me, give me something. All right. So show of hands, who's heard of SendGrid before? Anyone? A couple people. So for those of you who haven't heard about SendGrid, we're a company that help other companies send email. So uh, my name's Tony Blank. Uh, I'm on a team that has, uh, we have a startup program. So for startups, uh, we can give away a year of free email sending. 
that's important for startups that are trying to validate the market and scale up that market discovery and validation. Also, once you have product market fit, we can help you throw gas on the fire. So um, any founders that uh, are, uh, are pitching or are in attendance that want to grow users, uh, definitely come talk to me. We can help you out. Um, also, one thing that we're uh, piloting is uh, we have the opinion that it's interesting to support artists as well. Artists need to grow fans the same way that startups need to grow customers. So uh, we're doing a pilot program where we're giving away free email for uh, artists as well. So uh, come talk to me if you uh, want to learn about that stuff. And uh, definitely come talk to me over beers tonight. I'll be drinking about 20 of them. Thanks. Sounds good. Thanks so much. So to give you an idea of some of the cool stuff some past winners have been up to in the last year. So Crates was a winner last year. They do vinyl. Um, they got selected for Abbey Road Red's incubator program after winning here. AudioKite Research got acquired by Reverb Nation. And Pacemaker became part of the very first Techstar music class. So they were selected among 11 startups. So if you, were, if you win this, you're probably going to win a bunch of other stuff too. It's a good sign. So before we kick things off with the winners, uh, we had so many awesome startups this year that we have some honorable mentions. So if you're in the room and you're with this company, we're just gonna have you stand up and we'll give you a little clap. So anyone here from Mellow Drive? Um, Anna, Anna Scofo, is that name up? Audio Fusion Systems, Indie Ninja, Agora, Jamber, Tune Registry, iMuse, Opus, Hello Sugio. No one's here. That's okay, because this is going to be on the website. It's actually on the website now. So if you go to sfmusictech.com slash startups, you're going to see all the winners and then links to the honorable mentions as well. Just so many cool things happening in music tech that we needed to give you a few others to check out. So we're going to jump into the demos. Um, Buzz Angle Music is up first. Thank you, Patty, and thank you for getting it right. She was uh, worried she was going to call it Buzz Angel, but uh, uh, luckily we're, we're going to be here now. I will put my timer on because I do not want to be late. You got it late? Okay. I don't have Todd's voice, but I will try to do the best job that I can here. That's all right, sir. That's all right, sir. Anyway, my name is Jim Ledestri. I'm the founder and CEO of Buzz Angle Music. Uh, we're an industry disruptive service in the music consumptions analytics and reporting space. I'm not really a big fan of the word consumption, but it basically is collecting data on physical and digital sales, streaming, airplay, and most recently we've collected Shazam data. When I looked at the market a few years ago and the current reporting system that was used, it just wasn't granular enough, it didn't collect enough data, it didn't allow deep enough dives into the data, and it was really the time for a true big data play in the music business, so the, the size of the data and the amount of data we're collecting far exceeds anything that was ever stored before. We estimate that in one week of data that we receive and process today, that it's more than 100 times the amount of data that Nielsen SoundScan, our, our competitor, has stored in the 25-year history of their application. We store over, we get over 3 billion records a day, over 20 billion records a week from the likes of the physical retailers, your targets, your best buys and whatnot, your digital sales providers, your Amazons, your Google Play, your iTunes companies in that space, as well as your streaming companies, your Spotify's, your Rhapsody's, your Apple Music, et cetera, and then the video guys, YouTube, Vivo. Uh, we collect airplay from iHeart's media base 
division. And as I mentioned, we were the first company to get global Spotify data or global Shazam data uh, directly from Shazam. So that's, that, that's what we collect. Now, who we sell to uh, are various labels, distributors, artist managers, promoters, uh, radio stations, uh, venue managers, every part of the ecosystem, business development, marketing, finance, they all want to know various aspects of how their artist is doing, how their label is doing, et cetera. So I'll just very, very briefly just scan through a couple of screens here just to give you a sense of, of Buzz Angle Music, but it'll go pretty quickly. You know, we've got a country selector, we collect multi-country data. And that was one of the things I noticed in the market that wasn't being done before. So we have US and Canada, full sets of data, physical, digital, everything, and we're now collecting data in seven other countries around the world, streaming data and some sales uh, data as well. You can run reports like this, which says currently this week, what are the top songs by streams in the current marketplace here. And Rockstar is the number one song. We give the ability to drill down, and this is something that wasn't done in the industry before. So you could see that there's 12 million streams for that number one song. We're able to click a button and say, I want to drill down a little bit deeper. I want to know within those 12 million streams, where did they come from? So now I can actually see the breakdown by retailer, how many came from Spotify, from Apple, from YouTube, et cetera. I can really get down that granular level, and I can break it down by multiple other methods as well. You could share reports, schedule reports, all sorts of things. One of the cool things in, in Buzzangle, which wasn't uh, available before, is the ability to filter that data even more. So you could select a number of criteria if our Wi-Fi is uh, happy with us today. So we've got about 10 different parameters, time frame, genre, release period. So basically I can say in Albuquerque, New Mexico, for the dubstep genre, only for titles released you know, in January, only for certain segments of artists, only for certain labels, only for certain distributors and certain retailers, we can then produce reports on exactly what's going on in that segment. There's over 10 trillion combinations of reports available by that deep filtering system, something that's never been done before in this industry. And then you can do dashboards, look at dashboards. So you click on any item, you get a dashboard so we can see for Ed Sheeran's photograph. We can get overall stats week to date. Last week, you can see the volume that they do. And then uh, he does. And then underneath, we have a bunch of widgets. So you can see trends. You can see how that song appears on all these albums. How are those albums performing? Where in the market are they performing? Here's, again, another retailer breakdown. How's audio video splits? How's each ISRC performing? Is the clean version, is the edit version, or is the explicit version doing more? And then where are the spins happening? That can be done at an artist level as well. So we can now look at Ed Sheeran as a whole and get that same kind of breakdown. But of course, now we get all of the album sales, all the song sales, all the market penetration, exactly where in the market they're selling, audio video splits, release period splits. How's the new albums selling versus the catalog albums, how's physical selling versus digital. And Ed Sheeran's always been a very top artist in terms of really getting the mix of deluxe versions out there and make more money uh, for the artist. We're able to really break down into markets. So that was kind of the overview, but if I want to drill down, this is a report that's used heavily by touring folks, by radio promo folks, is let me look at each consumption type by market and get things like, and I just put, picked this one screen, where you could see the activity this week, last week, you could see the percentage change, the rank in market. So I could see which markets are higher ranked for that artist, 
who's changing the most, which rank is changing the most, where are we going up or down, and who's, where am I over-indexing, so I can get the markets I'm over-indexing and the markets that I'm under-indexing, and so again, very helpful for touring, very helpful for radio guys, promo guys, marketing, people use it, hey, where should I be placing my Facebook ads, let me look at where that artist is really popular. And then just one last screen is we can also take that same dashboard concept, but now apply it to a market area. So what's going in the, in the Bay Area here? I can get trends, and I can further filter them by genre, et cetera. So you can get a lot of trends. Who are your top artists in that genre or in this market area? Who's moving the most? Songs, albums, artists moving the most? And then I can get over-indexing. So which artists are over-indexing the averages that they normally go? And then something that we did just for the radio market is we're showing the highest streams for spins ratio. So for every airplay spin, what's the reaction in streaming market? So you can see, and these might be songs that you say, maybe they need more of a boost on the radio. And then we do show the opposite. Here are songs that are getting a low ratio. Maybe they, they're not getting the same reactivity at all. So here's just some of the things. There's a, there's a ton more that we can do, but just wanted to show you that once you collect that data, you store that data in the big data platform, you're able to pull it out uh, in a number of ways. And next, I guess I'll just finish by saying, you know, where you go next is to do now additional data mining and predictive analytics on top of it. So we've proven that we can get a lot of data, store the data. So now we're going to turn to the judges. Questions, comments, advice? Thanks, first of all, for using Ed Sheeran as an example, who's one artist. Appreciate it. <laughs> so on, on the predictive side, um, how do you, can you sort of predict from sort of an indie artist perspective or unknown artist, um, you know, sort of velocities and trends, sort of use it, use your platform as an, as an A&R funnel almost. Uh, and, and what's your thought around that? Maybe, you know, implementing AI technologies or, you know, what's, what's your thought on that? Yes, uh, a lot of people come to us and they're very complimentary. They say, wow, you did it. You built this great platform. Whereas I kind of think we're just at the beginning, right? Because what the people have to do now is they've got to mine the data, right? And there's not a lot of people at the labels and, and artist management firms who know how to mine data. So what we need to do now is do the AI stuff, do the predictive analytics. So we've done some tests just on our own. We've predicted first week sales, debut sales. We've helped finance departments predict what's going to happen next week, the forecast next week, but in, in, in the A&R side uh, as well. Uh, we've done stuff on the touring side, where should you tour, et cetera. So yeah, you can dig down in, you can look at some artists that have come up, uh, and then you can kind of go backwards and see the trends and know, you know what happened right before, and then we can look for those same trends again. And then we need to build a, a nice UI so someone could basically say, look, I'm looking to sign an artist in the alternative rock area you know, in Southern California, you know, show me 20 artists that might, that might meet that criteria. Yeah, um, it's obvious to me you've taken the dashboard analytics to another level. I mean, like myself, I've never seen anybody break it down to the um, ISRC level. That was like really cool to see. Um, kudos. Thank yeah, you, sir. This looks great. I was going to ask, how do you get access? Is it open for anyone to sign up, or is it, in, is it paid? Well, we do collect money. We do, we, we do accept cash, but yes, it's, a, you know, it's open to the industry, obviously. It's a SaaS-based business model. It's a per-user-per-month fee, and we base the fee you know, depending on the size of the organization. So the base level is, is about $1,800 a year per user, and then it goes up from there depending on how many users uh, the client wants to sign. We're thinking about partitioning a service to the, to the indie artists, making it uh, so maybe we don't give them access to 
you know, Ed Sheeran's albums and, and all that sort of stuff, but we give them access just to their own, so maybe we can get it down. It'd be nice to be able to get a low-end entry point of, you know, $20 a month, you know. Our goal is to become that Bloomberg terminal for the, for the music industry, where everyone needs to have that on their desk so they can quickly look up the stats, um, et cetera. Awesome. Yeah, my, my comment, I was thinking that it's taken a little while for the music industry to sort of uh, adapt to the online digital world, and I think this is a good example of all the benefit you can get from it. Um, all the all the data tracks, so I think it's pretty cool. And and the the question was sort of a um, how could this be used to help emerging artists? I mean that the, they won't have nearly so many numbers in here. It's sort of like you look at your Google Analytics when no one goes to your website and it's you know pretty boring. But um, but I think there's probably something there for emerging artists as well. Yes, absolutely. We we've told them that they can use it from a comp perspective, right? Look at similar artists, see what they're doing. But go ahead, Todd. Yeah, yeah um, his comment is awesome for the independent artists. In fact, when you showed viewing the Bay Area, you know, I've, I play music on the side. I've got a little act called Ceylon Dobro. You could find me on Spotify. I got two singles out. But, you know, it's hard to find fans. It is really freaking hard. I mean, I work in music tech. I've been a musician since I was 13. But now, it's like using the product, I can look at the Bay Area. I can see what styles of music everybody's digging and see if I even have a chance. <laughs> right? Maybe I can... Um, identify someone that I kind of sound like and I can make a playlist with them on it and me and I can share that via Spotify you know so yes absolutely we, I was actually surprised uh, absolutely I, I was actually surprised that uh, you know even medium-sized labels you know don't have access to this kind of data if you're Warner of course you get the data you've got you've got big IT teams you can do it but you, you don't have to get too far below the kind of the big three before you know we were showing stuff and we're like, I, I'm surprised that you you don't have access to this kind of data so transparency was a big issue that we believe you know if you're if, if it's you and it's your music you should have access to this kind of data or your label etc a question. Question. Um, I, I can see all the use cases of a label or a manager, but were there any use cases that you saw that surprised you? Like users who signed up that you're like, I never thought a grocery store would sign up to like check weird sales, <laughs> or, or, or anything that, that you learned that you didn't expect. Um, Probably two things. One was big brands like a Coca-Cola. You know, they spend a gargantuan amount of money in music, and I was surprised when I met with them that how they didn't have access to a lot, and we were showing them things for the first time. So then you get a real huge company uh, like that 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 really surprised me. That wow, I mean, we could actually do pretty. You know, we we could do well even with large companies that have you know big big budgets. Uh, you know, et cetera. So that was probably one of the biggest things. Let's give a round of applause to Jim and his team. Next up is Chart Metric. Hi, everyone. I'm founder and CEO of Chart Metric. It is a two year old young company. Um, all right. Yes, thank you. Yes. Uh, we're based right here in Silicon Valley. Uh, headquartered in Palo Alto, University Avenue. So uh, we get uh, Stanford grads. Um, it's amazing, but they're freaking expensive. So we are trying to keep the cost low, but still be able to serve this music industry. Because it's not a, like a most wealthy industry in the world. Um, and so uh, our focus is to, to you know, provide the data that they need, labels and artist managers. 
uh, at a cost, at a price that's affordable. So that's, uh, that's really the goal. And Buzzangle is an amazing, amazing platform. I'm really like, amazed by the details that um, Jim just, uh, just demonstrated. Uh, so we take a little different approach. Um, the amount of data and, and like, the, the details we have may not be as much as Buzzangle, but uh, our focus is really showing the trend. So uh, I'm going to show you what I mean by, um, on this profile. Um, sorry, it's not uh, one of those, but I, I, I thought this, this guy is interesting. Uh, Luis Fonzi, everyone, you know, like Despacito, every day, everywhere, but maybe not as much as before. So let's see what's happening with this guy right now. So we are tracking uh, social media, all social media you can think of. Uh, Facebook, like a Spotify followers day by day. Uh, we've been tracking since, what's day? November of 2016. So we have, we know this daily follower count for all these social media platform. Uh, so let's you know keep this whole six month time frame for now to be able to compare. Uh, Spotify popularity score has been going up all the way to 94. It's out of 100, the, the highest score. Uh, ever since, it's been going down slightly, slowly, uh, it's, um, uh, one by one. And number of fans on Facebook six months ago, uh, he added lots and lots of fans. 17,000 uh, followers, uh, 17,000 followers in one day. And if you wonder what just happened there, uh, like oh, I just um, supposed to be able to. Okay, this happens all the time uh, when I try to. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, let's move on. So uh, what I was was trying to show you is uh, when you see this uptick here, uh, big changes, then you can click this, then you can see all the postings uh, like this artist made and how many likes each posting got. So that can help you understand what, uh, what happened on that day, why he gained so many followers on that day. Uh, Instagram followers and Wikipedia, uh, Twitter followers, Wikipedia views uh, has been going up a lot. Uh, at one day, he uh, picked uh, max that uh, about uh, 22, 23,000 views per day. If you see all the timeline here, Nobody cared about Luis Fonzi until, uh, until this date here, April 2017. And suddenly, everyone is picking up and uh, max number of searches here, and now it's dying. Um, you can compare that with YouTube video views, same thing here. Nobody cared, and huge number of YouTube views. Uh, still, it's going up, but not as fast as before. So. What I'm trying to show here is uh, really like uh, we have track level data as well, but we wanted to be able to show this all this trend, what's going on with this artist right now, what is going to happen uh, by just looking at this data really quickly. And uh, we have geography geography breakdown uh, for Facebook followers and fan engagements, uh, Argentina followed by Mexico and Peru. Those fans are more engaged. Uh, when it comes to YouTube views, uh, people in Mexico watch the most, uh, like uh, Despacito video maybe, and then followed by a lot came from United States, lots and lots of views. Um, and as you can imagine, Latin, other Latin American countries here. Uh, in people in Cuba and Puerto Rico, they search uh, for Luis Fonzi a lot. So this, com this data comes from Google Trends, uh, going all the way back to 2004 or something. So um, we actually began, we ju I just showed, showed social media, but actually we began with playlist monitoring and analysis tracking. So playlist evolution 
you see that uh, this uh, Luis Fonzi uh, has been added to lots and lots of playlists around here. And Teen Party, Top Electronica, all of these are new playlists that happened for him. Uh, so just going down, yeah, briefly, uh, Spotify playlists, we know which playlists have these artist songs right now, uh, which playlists before had these uh, Luis Fonzi songs. And we track Apple Music as well, uh, all of them. Uh, in 78 different countries. Um, and going down different charts, uh, Spotify top 200 charts globally. Uh, peak was number three, uh, peak position. Latest was 78, that was yesterday. So you can see all of these as well. So charts breakdown, um, Spotify, Vital, iTunes, Apple Music, and Shazam. So we are tracking 800,000 artists this way. Uh, you, or also we are checking almost 1 million playlists on Spotify and uh, another many, like 20,000 playlists on Apple Music. So let's see what, what we can find out about this today's topics. We're over time here, so yes. gotta okay. wrap it up. All right, so uh, that's playlist profile. You see UMG, uh, Sony and Universal Warner Music Group has a lot of songs there. Okay, that's a brief demo. Turning it back to our judges. Are we going the same direction again? <laughs> it's a free-for-all. Whoever cool. wants to talk, just jump in. Just jump very, in. Very cool. So what's your, is this sort of a B2B subscription model, or what's, what's your uh, business model right now? That, that is correct. Um, uh, anyone can just sign up and uh -huh. use it for free uh, to get uh, some basic profile. And for example, Spotify current playlist is offered for free right now. But if you want more data, then you can sign up for more expensive version, $95 a month. And quickly, on, on the Facebook likes, right? It's pretty easy to buy Facebook likes these days. Mm -hmm. do, you, how, how, do you distinguish or can you distinguish between organic um, engagement versus bot engagement? Um, um, actually, no. Uh, uh, we, yes, yes, that is true. Uh, that goes through for all the other social media as well. That is why I think it is actually important to be able to see all of these different social media follower growth together, side by side. Uh, so that's what we intended. But uh, we have Facebook fans and Facebook engagements, but not that kind of breakdown. Yeah, because these are all public data we have. We've hung out before. But I think you've done a great job at slicing and dicing the Spotify data. It's mm -hmm. one of the most popular DSPs. Like y You knew what you were doing, and you did a great job. Thank you. I'm like Thank the you. positive judge. <laughs> I'm not Simon or anything like that. Thank you. Thank you. Question, what's sure. next for the product? Um, okay, good. Um, so um, predictive analytics, uh, Jim just mentioned. Uh, we are spending more and more time on A&R. Uh, that's really uh, bigger and bigger guys and then like uh, all the industry is really interested in. We have a preliminary version of finding some sexy artists there by looking at how many playlists, how many big playlists they are added recently. So that's our current version. We have this 300 artists that uh, is updated daily. So that's uh, our big focus going forward, A&R. And uh, some like a label specific dashboard, um, a scalable and still very low cost dashboard we're doing. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, I think data is only as useful as uh, 
you know, you, you can, you, what value you get out of it. I mean, data by itself isn't anything. So, so I think this could be complementary even to the other tool we saw. I mean, they, they show different views. I could see artists really liking this. And so I, I think there's, there's a lot of room for these. So good job on this Yes, one. I believe so. Yes. Yeah, I had a question. Sure. So, so the data you get is generally free. Mm -hmm. um, it's available to other people who might compete with you. So how do you differentiate yourself from a product perspective to other you know, companies who may just see the data that you present and present it in a similar way? Yeah, that is a great question. Uh, I got that question a lot from, especially when I meet uh, investors, actually. Uh, so um, it, is, it is true, the data we get, uh, anyone who has some training can use the APIs and can get the data, but uh, of course there are challenges. It's uh, it's costly for anyone to do that, but in the end, uh, it's a public data. But we try to focus more on uh, actually the part that you just mentioned, which is data itself is out there, but people are not using the data. Why? It's not fun to you know like see the data actually. So. That's what we are trying to do here. Uh, I've, I wonder if you noticed that. Isn't it fun, actually? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the whole purpose of this demo, trying to make it fun. And that's the real focus. I think that's where we differentiate. And uh, going forward, uh, we are going to have more and more public data in the end. Once you have a lot of public data, then there are things that only we can do using the technology. That's, uh, that's going to build barriers. So. We are only like a, still a young startup, small. I had a question. Sure, please. So I started my career doing digital marketing at Columbia Records. And as a social media person, I'm interested in these kind of statistics. But I care less about followers, because mm -hmm. that's all kind of a fluke anyway, and more about conversion. Mm -hmm. So have you ever thought about integrating, and I know this is public data, but having people be able to integrate sales data. So I want to see how many followers went up and how many engagement I had, but also did I sell anything from it? Or did I get an email sign up from it? Is that something you've thought about? So uh, that's actually part of that uh, the plan uh, for the next because we we get those requests a lot as well. So I truly believe in the marriage between public data and proprietary data. So we actually have an interface where people can upload uh, Spotify artist fan, fan insights as a CSV into our system. Then you can see only you can see those data mixed together. Uh, same way, uh, label dashboard we have, which is we get the Spotify uh, stream bulk, bulk data directly using the API key. That way we can merge them together as well. So same can go through for social media as well. They can just quickly link their social media profile there and authorize for us to access the data. That way we can uh, get the data from this uh, like company and then we can compare that data with others. So that's... Uh, mid and long term plan and really glad that you brought it up so that's, so that's uh, part of the plan yes okay, great yeah thank Round you <laughs> okay the next one up is mike me did i say that right yeah. okay perfect <laughs> anyone have any questions while we're waiting we're doing a deal from the audience <laughs> <laughs> anyway so can you come up if you have a question so we can get you in the mic? URL of the website of the last one? No, of yours. Oh, of the conference? sfmusictech.com slash startups. I'm a microphone guy. Uh, so my name is Philip. I'm from Austria. I'm the CEO and founder of MikeMe. 
It's uh, basically a wireless microphone recording app. It's looking like this. And uh, I have a clicker, man, which is quite cool. So click, please. <laughs> <laughs> so um, truth is 80% of the internet traffic by 2019, according to Cisco report, uh, will be videos. So this is quite a big amount of data. And a lot of that would be user generated and by creators. And you already have a quite good camera in your pocket, which is your smartphone, which does pretty good pictures, but there's a big problem with it. Click, please. So if you make mobile videos these days, you either go with your smartphone, you get good pictures, but bad audio quality, which is a big drawback for artists and creators, or you go with DSLR cameras, lots of cables, microphones, audio recorders, gain. So it's really hard to set up. If you don't know what you're doing, chances are pretty high you, you fuck up the entire thing. So the solution is um, you make the video with your smartphone and we give you a small black box, which is a 2D grade microphone called MicMe, and let you produce high quality content on the go. So this is the MicMe platform and the vision is that one creator can publish high quality audio and video content within seconds or minutes to millions of fans through one platform. So the microphone itself gives you a studio great quality. There's a big button on top of it. You start recording wherever you are and you stream wirelessly over Bluetooth audio to your app. So there's a mic recording app which then records video simultaneously and we sync up the audio from the microphone with the video from the uh, smartphone and let you later on publish content to all your channels automatically. So that was it for. So this is the microphone. It's as good as a $1,000 microphone. Uh, cost is about $500. Um, you can check out the details later on because I have just a little bit of time. Click, please. Uh, there's the app coming along with it. The big important part is you can sync audio to video automatically. And you're going to see in a second why that is important. Click, please. So that sounds pretty obvious that you finally can have studio-grade audio for your videos. but the video you're going to see in a second was recorded in LA, Topanga Overlook. So on the top of a hill, there are no overdubs. This was not recorded in the studio. It's just like one take, one band, one microphone, and one iPhone mounted on a gimbal. And it was done in one shot, and everything was done automatically. So please, hopefully the audio is working. Let's see. <laughs> They were pretty surprised that I was recorded two minutes beforehand there. When I played this back to big, big media companies, they were basically didn't believe that I was recorded on site. Um, click again, please. So some achievements. Uh, we now available since a week on uh, Toman, which is the biggest audio retailer in, in Europe and B&H in the US. We shipped 2,000 units in 100 plus countries already from our Indiegogo campaign, where we did about plus uh, 400,000 dollars plus pre-sales two years ago. And we secured a little bit of a seed stage investment of 1.6 million euros in uh, Austria. We won a couple of uh, design awards and have been selected best of show 2017 in the NAMM show and best new product in Wired, something like that. Well, and then I think then the next one is the last slide. Well, it's available at uh, B&H so you can buy it right now.
buy, buy, buy. So it's $4.99. I might mention this a couple of times. That's it. That's it. So it's. And if you, if you want to check it out, just uh, come to, to me and you can hear in yourself how it sounds. Cool. To the judges. Very cool. So do you use Bluetooth or what, what technology do you use for, for the wireless phone? Thanks for the question. So uh, we're using Bluetooth just as a tr transportation layer and Bluetooth right. is pretty wacky. It's not a stable right. protocol like HFB, Bluetooth headsets don't work properly. Yeah. So we have a worldwide patented uh, protocol on top of Bluetooth. So and we, we split down the audio. So first, everything is saved locally on the internal disk. So no matter what the wireless Bluetooth link is, it's always back there. Because like if, you know, a famous artist records something and then it's lost. So it's not working like a normal wireless microphone. Then we're sending over packets and if they're lost, we retransmit them. And we make sure in the, in the app that sometimes they come in the wrong order because that happens in the right order and shift them in the right space so that or uh, the video with the audio is in, in sync. So you're just using it for syncing, basically, to audio. Uh, it's a little bit more complex okay. than that. I, I, right. I, in the beginning, when I started the company four years ago, I thought it's quite easy, but it took me four years to make the hardware. And it's yeah. built, made in Germany. It's, um, it's hardware. It's hard. It's, it's just a mess. It's I'm a pain. Sure. Yes. Don't start a hardware startup. Stick with your SaaS stuff. <laughs> I'm so, I'm so <laughs> one more quick question. Um, can you change the characteristics of your Not microphone, yet. like cardioid, omni? It's okay, it's all. Yet. It's cardioid. Okay, so right Not now yet. it's sort of like more of an omnidirectional. No, it's it's, it's uh, directional. So you, this cardioid. is the front. Uh, it blocks a bit the, the audio from the back side, right. which is good. Like if Hyper you're recording outside. No, it's only cardioid. Okay. We could change it. But not now. It's just the first. It's the first product. There's, Very cool. Very you know, all the guys. So you know, <laughs> we could do more than that. We'll uh, continue the audio engineer question. Does it have a pad? There's a, um, a zero to thirty dB pad you can set up in Sweet. in a hundred steps. So normally you have like a zero and twenty dB. So it it's packed to five hundred megahertz of processing power. We just st get started. So there's there will be a lot of software updates in the future. The sound was really good. You heard it already, right? Yeah, that was wonderful. It, was that one of the T sisters in that recording? T sisters? No, they were the, the morning hills from LA. So oh, okay. unknown band, but great. It sounded great. Good job. Congratulations. Thanks. First off, congratulations. Um, second is a question: Is the the syncing happening on the mobile app, or is there a desktop app as well? Because we're still small, there's only so we, we're mobile first. So we've, we're thinking that. Um, there's really a big problem with mobile uh, videos with smartphones. The soon, uh, as soon as you get a little bit further away, the audio is just shitty. I mean, the iPhone and Samsung phones, they do a great job if you're pretty close. But as soon as you're like 50 meters away or five meters away and there's a car passing by, you don't understand the word of, of the spoken words. We could do a desktop app, but we, as we're small, we focus on mobile content generation. It's not just music. This is a music uh, startup conference, but we started as a music company and then figured out, oh, also media companies want to make smartphone videos like, you know, big media companies. Uh, there's a ton of different use cases for a microphone. Cool. I see mobile first as a positive. I was curious if you also needed a desktop and to do. We get this request all the time, but it's just like, it's just, too I want to sync it with my Logic, you know, but there is already like 15 or 100 different microphones for Logic in, in a normal use case, but there's nothing really fully integrated in, in the mobile space, which is wireless. Cool. I actually have one of the 2000. I was an Indiegogo. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Hey, man. Thanks. I didn't, I didn't have, you, have you got it? Hopefully. 
No, I do. I have. I've had it for a while. I haven't used it much. I have to say, I just like the audio gadgets. But the video syncing thing is very cool. The, the, my question. It's not um, public yet. Oh, okay. you're going to well, get it in a week or so. Oh, great. Um, the, uh, the the question I had actually is, I, and maybe this is a little early for you. The the 500 bucks for a thousand dollar mic is fantastic, but it's still 500 bucks. Like you know, a lot of people can't you know can't afford that. So so do you go down first, or do you kind of go up? I mean, you probably just follow you know what. We shipped it on Indiegogo, as you might know, like around $200. Um, the plan was to make it a $200 mic microphone, but in hardware you start like with a plan, then you add, oh, it's not working, you add like 10 bucks in manufacturing cost because you add another s processor, then everything gets more expensive, um, and that add adds up. So it is a $500 microphone, um, which is not cheap. It's cheap related to a $1,000 microphone, but there are plans to get the price down for a different, little bit different product. So we'll get down, I know. Yeah. But it's not, we're not hunting for, you know, millions of microphones. It's more about one microphone and the audience behind. Yeah, I mean, from a branding, I think hitting, you know, a good quality brand, if you can do it to start, isn't a bad way. Yeah. You know, it's, it's yeah. easier to go down than up. <laughs> right, right, this is strategy going, you know, first top of the line and going down. Yeah. yeah wh what's your next product? Is it another microphone, a different type of pro microphone? No, the next, the next <laughs> product, the next features will be software-based. So we're heavily working on... Okay. I'm doing just... Sorry, this is Marie, the PR greatest PR it. person on earth. <laughs> She's telling you to She's stop She's trying talking. to shut me down all the time because I'm, I I'm a product manager there by heart, no so I try to love to talk about products and features. No, software-based, but we have a plan for, for a hardware product somewhere. Watch out next year. Great. Um, okay. We usually hold questions till the end, but I think we'll take a few of you because we have some extra time. So if you can come up to the fr front, I guess. Oh, wait. Mike here. Have I mentioned that you can buy the microphone? So start with, <laughs> can we start with Brewster over there? I think his hand was up first. No, it's actually, it's actually cheap. It's a cheap microphone. Vintage, yeah. I so I see a lot of people struggling with, with like Canon cameras, trying yeah. to do the same thing. Because they, they, they have crap uh, audio. Uh, is there some way of using the um, using a real camera as opposed to a phone camera with a real yes, know, yes, so, a so good it, camera it, and a good mic? Would, wouldn't it be awesome? <laughs> true, true, true. So it was built with uh, uh, iPhone uh, integration in mind, but then we found out that in Indiegogo, 50% actually use it standalone. So you can use it without the camera, push the button, and record standalone. Push the button again, it's saved locally. So you don't need an iPhone. You can also use it standalone, and a lot of people actually use it standalone. That's a little bit of a surprise because we built it for iPhone. Um, well, Philip Bloom, one of the most famous video makers, is using that one for example. So, yeah, you can use it with a Canon, but there's no direct integration. That's really hard because we would have to build software for cameras. Next and we're question. a little bit too small for that. Yeah, uh, uh, I think... Yeah. How do manually, you think manually later on. Uh, talk to Canon and the Nikon and all these uh, Sony guys and tell them <laughs> that they should give us the, uh, the ability to write software for their cameras, then we can do it. How do you get it to sync to video? Sorry? How do you get the video to sync? Uh, with the iPhone, you mean? Yes. In other words, how are you, how are you getting the sync to work? You're sending a, uh, yeah. at some point? We have a, a worldwide patent on that. So uh, it was not that easy. So we're measuring uh, numerous delays. So you know, the delay from the, in iOS until the, the, the messages send it down over the air, in the microphone, delay of how long the video um, 
starting of iOS until it starts capturing. There's like five to ten different delays we're measuring, and now we're shifting back and forth with the files. If you hit the play button. But it works. It works. You and can then the other question I have is, if you're sending it to the iOS, what are you, what are you sending? What's the sample rate and the bit depth that you send to the, to the device? Oh, I see, I see. So uh, if we recall wirelessly, we use 44.1 kilohertz with 24 bits resolution. Right. Mm -hmm. And we're sending over 96 kilobit stream, which sounds like very low, but you can listen later on. It's, it so the actual matter. resolution is 44.1, 24-bit when it actually gets recorded on the phone. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But you're capturing at a higher rate. Yeah, we're yeah. capturing way higher. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Okay, we'll take one more quick question uh, over here. Uh, just curious how it does on drums and like mic'd instruments, if you want to go loud. Good question. Uh, as it's a super sensitive microphone, uh, so you can uh, turn down the gain to the lowest setting. So, but it was not built so this version was not built for super loud punk drums. So if you nail the drums and you want to record a, a bass drum like five centimeters to the felt, it wouldn't work yet. Coming back to the next product kind mm -hmm. of question. Um, so we have a new, uh, don't look into my bag, so I have already some prototypes with me which can <laughs> handle those things. Um, but, well, yeah, in the future. Okay, great, let's give a round of applause. Thanks a lot. If we have time at the end, we'll open it up to questions for all the startups. But uh, Mimi, hearing technology is next. At least we have some nice music to listen to in between, huh? So the pop-up show happening next door. Hi, I'm uh, Philip from Berlin, uh, founder and CEO of Mimi, and we're building the standard for personalized hearing. Uh, but let's start with vision. Who in this room still has perfect eyesight? Who doesn't need glasses or contact lenses? Please lift your hand. <laughs> Okay, quite a good ratio, but now a question to all the others. Who of you would buy a 4K Ultra HD television and not put on your glasses? Or who would go to a gallery and leave your glasses at home? No one, because it doesn't make sense. But in the audio industry, that is, that's what's happening. There are billions spent and we are putting in so much effort that we really get the best, truest sound to the end listener. From great instruments, microphones, uh, great recording and mastering studios, lossless file formats on the rise. Then people are spending hundreds or thousands on headphones or stereo systems. But then the last inch in this chain, the hearing ability is not considered. And as an ex example with the HD television, kind of this glasses is missing. You might now think this is a problem of our grandparents, but if you really look at the data, uh, a teenager hears up to 21,000 kilohertz and then age-related hearing loss is eating its way down until it reaches the speech region. And that's when people traditionally get a hearing aid. But if we look at instruments, for example, a violin, the, the overtones go up to 16,000 hertz and already in our 20s, 30s, 40s, a big chunk of that is missing. So when we go to a gallery, we're bringing our glasses not to, not to not run into other guests there, but we bring them to really see the brushstroke of the artist. And that the same thing should be true for music. We should really hear all the fine details in music. So this is really affecting all of us and we should compensate for that. Um, I have a little example just to kind of get a feeling for how different the hearing in this room is. There will be a frequency sweep from the low tones to the high tones. I would ask you to lift your hand while you hear the tone and put your hand down when you don't hear it anymore. Just look around behind you like when the hands are going down. I hope it's not too loud. 
Um, I'll start again, sorry. First hands going down, more, more, still some up, still some up, still some up. And the last one, oh, still some up, last one went down. So really a huge spread in hearing ability just in this room. And we're all getting the same mastered music, all like it's mastered one too many. And Mimi is doing kind of the last step in this chain. We are really considering the hearing ability and adjusting the sound so everybody really hears all the details in music. So how do we do this? On the one hand, we have a medically certified hearing test that you can do on your smartphone, five minutes, just in the comfort of your home. And then, um, we don't stop there, but based on your hearing profile, we have an algorithm that models the healthy human ear and pre-processes the sound so your brain can extract all the information from the sound signal. So not a simple EQ, but really also doing psychoacoustics, for example, enhancing the onsets of new tones, uh, doing natural distortions that make it easier for the brain to really extract the information from the sound signal. And we don't think that everybody should be wearing a hearing aid, but we have so many digital devices anyways, so that our algorithm, we're licensing that to all the different audio products and services. So when you subscribe to a new service, buy new headphones, a new smartphone, a new car, you just connect this one hearing profile and the sound is adjusted to you. Uh, we have already launched with some streaming services. We have it running on uh, operating system level on Android. We have launched with, uh, for example, Biodynamic, a pro audio headphone company in Germany. Uh, it's running on the Bluetooth chip on the headphone. You once upload your hearing profile, the sound is adjusted. And so we're kind of now spreading it out to all these different verticals. We're already making this year one million in revenues from kind of software licensing or techn technology licensing and more companies coming next year. And I would have loved to give you a demo that would be like giving you my contact lenses and then asking you how you like it. So I really can encourage you to either download it yourself or come by. Uh, I can give you a demo, Henrik there and Moritz. Uh, so we're very happy to let you try it and really experience what, what things you have been missing. And yeah, really to the, to the riches of music. Thanks. Judges, questions. Uh, very, very, very interesting. So when you take off your glasses, I think it's pretty obvious, right, that you know you need them, obviously, to see stuff. I think you know when when it comes to hearing, like psychoacoustically, the brain makes makes up for for some of these discrepancies. Like, I mean, nobody's left ear is the same as their right ear, and so the brain makes up for it. I'm just curious, like, your anecdotal evidence. Have you seen when people use it a lot and they sort of use their customized pair of headphones and they go back to the old original headphones, they can't listen to music anymore? What's sort of the reaction uh, in terms of your user feedback? I mean, I think we have, we have, like, we have I think, 5,000 written reviews mm -hmm. and I think hundreds of them mention that people are crying because they haven't heard songs like that uh -huh. or people rediscovering the music, their music libraries, right. kind of hearing details that they never noticed before. Yeah. So that's the one side. And then we have other people who are listening less loud and so it's even protective of hearing. Right. Um, and like in the, in the demo app, Mimi Music, you can really compare the original to a personalized version. And when you go back to original, many people don't believe that the original is really that bad. And then switching to the iTunes music player, 
they see, oh, wow, this is really what I have been listening to. And it can maybe be compared when the first time when you got glasses, you stepped outside, looked at a tree, and you suddenly realized, wow, this tree, there are really leaves on it. And so you don't, you don't, know, you don't know it before you have seen it or heard it. So, yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. I think especially as, as streaming services are moving more and more towards high-res audio, I think that there's going to be some amazing co-branding opportunities. Pretty yeah. cool. I don't have any questions really, but I just had a, a comment. I think going the, you know, instead of going into hardware and such, just building the technology and licensing it is definitely a great play, smart way to do business. Yeah. Thanks. Keep it up. Can I use it now, like as a Spotify listener with an iPhone? Is that something I can experience? Uh, we, in our demo app, you can hook up the, like it's using the Spotify API, but doesn't support offline play, and we're talking with some of the larger ones, so maybe there's some news soon. Cool. But you can try it with Mimi Music, there's, there's a link to it. Uh, so it's, I mean, it's definitely very, you know, it's amazing, and I think it is something that needs to happen, um, but I wonder if people really care, because, you know, they listen to pretty garbage speakers already, you know, so, I mean, I, I mean, I, it's just sort of a, it's, it's one of those things, like in the audio world, people often build things for themselves and, and that sort of thing, so, so I'm wondering about the general, you know, addressable market, really, but, but it's cool, I, I kind of want those headphones, you know. <laughs> So we see, like, I mean, the, the very late end is kind of hearing aid users who cannot even hear the vocals anymore. Um, I think the more audiophile people are, the earlier in age or earlier in hearing loss it's relevant. Uh, but at some point it really becomes a necessity and earlier on it's more a luxury. Um, yeah. But I mean, people, if, you, if it's integrated, you do the test once and you don't have to you just leave it on. So we've, in the one app, uh, I think 33% of users try it out and 89 leave it on, so they, they like it. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Once it's embedded into all these music players, I think people will just turn it on, why not? So that yeah. it'll, it'll you know, be a good feature. Yeah, the, um, the science that you use to create those algorithms, is that proprietary, or um, is it something that's open source that you're basing these algorithms on? So it's really kind of IP heavy. We have seven pure researchers, hearing scientists, and filing a lot of patents but happy to license it to everyone because we want to have it a standard in every audio product. Yeah. Any quick audience questions on this one? Round of applause. Next up is Mod Devices. Hi everyone. So I'm Gianfranco, also from Berlin. And uh, I'm not German, I'm Brazilian. <laughs> and uh, I, uh, um, I'm a guitar player and an engineer. And I'm from Mod Devices. I'm the CEO and founder. And we do uh, devices for musicians. I personally believe that the, in the music industry, I see a lot of uh, revolution going on. But I think that the, the music business would not be possible without the musicians. And I see the musicians not participating on that revolution. And uh, this is what we are tackling. So, um, altering the sounds, making effects, having things to process the audio, this is a thing that has been quite a long time away. The legs here, Jimi Hendrix, uh, Pink Floyd, even Miles Davis, everybody making audio processing on stage, on performance. And these are boxes that, um, the small pedals, <coughs> and uh, 
if we look at what happened to the desktop and what the computer brought, we see uh, a desktop in 84 and what it became in 2010. And if you see a, a rig of a guitar player, for example, in 84, how it, how it was and how it is today, you see that it grew and not the opposite. And uh, the thing is, those small boxes that we call pedals, um, business model, one sound, one box. You want another sound, you buy another box. And that scales up pretty fast. And uh, for example, Boss, which is a very big brand, they have 40 years now uh, on, uh, on the business, 119 stomp boxes, one single manufacturer. And the problem in the end, it's too many equipment. It's too much equipment, uh, lots of things to carry around. Uh, this is a normal, what we call a pedal board of uh, what a guitar player uses or a vocalist, a harmonica player. People spend about $1,500 on a pedal board like that. And problems are cost, weight and size, robustness, it can fail, lots of points of failure, and operability, you have almost to tap dance on top of that. Uh, when digital came along, they, brought, they created what they call the multi-effects, which are, in a sense, are, uh, are interesting, but again, non-intuitive, very difficult to, to operate and program. Uh, reduced creative freedom, you don't know what happens inside, it's very difficult, uh, uh, you have lots of constraints to, to, to decide what happens inside the device, and most importantly, uh, closed platforms. So you, although they're digital, the business model is still analog, on the sense that you buy a box, that's what you get. You cannot add new software to it like you would with a computer. On the other hand, we have computers. It's the king of digital technology. Uh, when I say computers, I mean uh, personal computers, tablets, smartphones, these are three uh, the main platforms that we see for computing today. And they all have the same problem. They are not designed for musical performance. They are designed to be for uh, non-musicians to use on the desktop, to put on the pockets, to, to use for other things, but not for performance. People are using these things. There are loads of software. Musicians are using it a lot, but uh, you have to add audio interfaces, you need controllers, and it becomes this Frankensteins, and in the end, this is what you got. This is a computer to use it on a stage. You cannot trust a thing like that. Um, it's not designed for that, it's very fragile. It, uh, we consider it not to work. Mostly importantly, uh, not only it's not uh, practical in the sense, but the computer brings a block between the musician and the audience. Musicians are trying to bring the computer to the stage and it's very problematic. Now, what we thought is, what if we could to digitalize everything, have virtual pedals to make this, the, those borders that we see, but in a virtual sense, and uh, have many different ones on the same machine, like we would do on the computer with multiple softwares. Um, not only that, but uh, more creative freedom on the sense of how we create these boards, and let's say just like the computer that you have lots of different software that you can install and we have the smartphones today with the App Store, same idea but with audio applications. Store lots of different setups and uh, just recall them with a simple flick of a button and not having to tap dance on top of a device. And we have what we do. This is the Mod Duo. I have it here. It's a computer, just like a PC, just like a smartphone, but it's designed for musicians. It doesn't have a keyboard, it doesn't have a, a monitor, it doesn't have a mouse. It has knobs to turn and foot switches to tap on. 
interfaces for audio, MIDI, everything that a musician needs to go there and make a proper performance on stage. This is the first digital platform for performing musicians. It's a new digital platform and we really think that uh, this can empower the creativity and empower the performance for musicians. I'm going to do a quick demo here on what we can do. Just give me a minute to set it up. It's very fast. Oh, yeah, please. We'll, we'll do a couple of questions while he's setting that up from the judges. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, if you have a, like a Pro Tools rig, right, you have your Wave plugins and you can basically simulate preamps and any sort of analog um, signal processor there is out there, but there's always this sort of, um, you know, battle between analog and digital, and is it really, is it close enough, right? And like if I'm playing like a B3 organ, I want that Leslie sound to be analog. So do you see in your sort of, you know, talking to musicians that they're completely, it's completely substitutional to sort of the, the analog pedal that they're proud of? I don't think it's 100%, uh, 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 you cannot substitute 100%, but I think that we can substitute a lot. Our biggest selling case, it's people that have a pedal board, for example, guitar players with 15 pedals. They dump 10 of them, put a, a mod duo, and, and only save like the, the favorite ones. If we go to the tube amplifiers in special, uh, even Fractal Audio, which makes amazing modeling, is not the real thing. Uh, we get pretty close to that, but the real thing is always the real thing. But it, then it's the, the, the compromise between what's practical and what's doable. So he's still getting set up. So set up. more questions you have? How Dan? much does it cost? How much does it cost? 600 bucks. Including all the effects or that's just uh, Yes, uh, we come from. It's, uh, it's an open platform. So uh, just like the smartphones in which you can install new apps, same thing here. Uh, we, start, we come from the open source communities and we have today 200 and something plugins totally for free. This is growing because it's a, it's a healthy and lively community. And we are just about to launch the commercial plugin store. So now commercial developers are jumping in and we will be able to we'll have a proper marketplace. Any musician here who want to try it? <laughs> yeah. Todd Tate coming to the stage. If you, if you ask a question, we have to do it into the mic to get it on the... We'll run one over to you quick. Does it do Bluetooth MIDI? Bluetooth MIDI? Not yet. It's a problem. It's just a software update. Uh, this has some issues because of uh, latency. Uh, but yeah, we are going to do that. Uh, we already do full MIDI, but uh, uh, normal DIN MIDI, if you can see here in the back. And we have USB ports, so if you have uh, USB MIDI devices, you can even put a USB hub and have multiple MIDI devices. How easy is it to convert existing plugins? Is it like, is it basically like VST already? If you have an existing plugin already as a developer, how oh, easy okay. is it to convert uh, This is a very good question. Uh, it's not possible to run VSTs. VST, it's technical, uh, technically impossible to have a VST doing this because of how the VST was developed. Uh, we use a standard called LV2 from the open source community. It's also an open standard. And uh, what we do to reduce the, the to, to make it faster for developments, 
we have integrations with existing high-level languages like MaxMSP. So if you have a Max patch today for MaxMSP, there was, there's a software in Max that you can download. And with the click of a button, you will get your patch and have it as a plugin here. Same thing for Faust and Pure Data. Yep, uh, I made a very complete pet award, but uh, I'll go through it for you. Uh, so as you can see, I'm using the browser. There's no application to be used, no uh, application to install. Everything is web-based. Let me stop the sequencer here. And uh, well, this is a very complex pedal board. I have a sequencer driving uh, bass, drums, and uh, piano. And on the top part here, we see a, a chain for the guitar, what he's playing here. Just a simple distortion. Uh, we can put a beat for you if you want. Interesting things here, so uh, you can save multiple pedal boards. Those they are, you can save as many pedal boards as you want. And uh, this is the plugin store, just like the app store. Uh, internet is good here, yep. Uh, so today, 287 plugins and growing. And if you want a plugin, you just click on it, install, that's it. And uh, a very cool thing, because this is very collective, you can share your pedal boards. And uh, this goes to a thing kind of an Instagram of pedal boards. These are pedal boards that are online. And if you want a, a pedal board, you can even click on try. And it will load it. Do we have it? Yep. So that pedal board that was online, it's now being loaded here. This is a very cool experience. And uh, well, it's going very well. Thanks. So we're gonna hold, we're gonna hold questions because we have two more startups that we need to fit in before the end. Thanks. So next up is Record Graham. Hello, everybody. So I'm Winston Thomas, also known as DJ Blackout, international DJ and Grammy Award-winning music producer. Uh, and co-founder of Recordgram with my partner, Sean Mims, multi-platinum selling artist, uh, and also co-founder of Recordgram. So uh, Recordgram is the first producer marketplace, uh, mobile recording studio, and social network all in one app that uh, empowers anyone, any, ch any youth from around the world to, uh, to collaborate with award-winning music producers for under $5. So um, our Users pretty much uh, go to our platform and discover beats that sound something like this. 
So when they find a beat, they can actually download the beat, write lyrics, and add vocals to uh, the beat right in their mobile device and sound something like this. You give me such a great feeling. Take me high till I touch the ceiling. I'm glad I have you in my life. Once they add their vocals, they can actually take it a step further and add video to the, uh, to the song, and it looks something like this. You give me such a great feeling. Take me high till I touch the ceiling. I'm glad I have you in my life. So uh, we have two different users on our platform, uh, the producer and the aspiring artist from around the world. Uh, meet the producer, Tony Fad. Tony Fad is from Russia. Spent a bunch of money on recording studio, uh, recording equipment, uh, studio equipment. Uh, creates great beats, but has no idea how to collaborate with artists. He, he doesn't know how to get in touch with an artist to, to sell the beat to or you know create songs with. And our second artist, our second user is the artist. Uh, this is Willie from New Jersey. Uh, Willie uh, is trying to find beats online. He doesn't know where to go to find beats. He finds. Uh, uh, commercial beats online, but uh, he's not satisfied because he doesn't want to do karaoke. He, he actually wants to create original songs. So, uh, uh, yeah, so this is Willie. Um, this would be uh, pretty much this would be a, a great hypothetical use case, but uh, Willie is an actual real artist. He found Tony Fad online, and Willie is actually Fetty Wap, one of the biggest artists in uh, hip hop now. Um, the power of Recogram is. Uh, bringing the collaboration to the mobile device where uh, artists like Willie and producers like uh, Tony can get together and create great music in their platform. So we make money in two different ways. Uh, we charge producers $9.99 a month uh, subscription or $89 a year to upload beats to our platform where they can actually uh, sell it or lease them to artists. And when an artist actually finds a beat they like and downloads the beat, they can, um, we actually get 20% of that, that purchase. So um, you wanna do a live demo? You gonna put me on the spot now, I guess. Uh, I'm a recording artist, I've been a recording artist for, for uh, about 15 years now. And honestly, doing demos is probably one of the nerve, most nerve wracking thing I could do in my life. <laughs> and I perform for every stage you can imagine. So um, I guess you can walk, talk them through while I do the demo. Okay. So. Um, our uh, Mims, our artist, will go through our our music page and find a beat that he likes. This might be familiar. Let's see. Can you turn it up? So, so as an artist, you come in, you, you listen to a, a record, you actually download the record into our virtual studio. Uh, once it pops up, simply push the Recogram button. It'll give you a countdown. We recommend people wear headphones. It makes it a lot easier. But uh, it'll start playing, and now it's recording my verse or my voice. So let me see if I remember this song. Some of you guys that may remember it. Hey, it goes, I don't got a rap. I could sell a mill, saying nothing on the track. I represent New York. I got it on my back. Haters say that we lost it, so I'ma bring it back. I love San Fran, cause y'all show me love. The ladies start to bounce as soon as I hit the club. And in the Midwest, they love to take it slow. And when I hit the H, I watch them get it on the floor. Hey, this is why I'm hot. This is why I'm hot. Yeah. 
So it plays back. It's a multi-track recorder up to five tracks, so he can actually layer his vocals, uh, uh, hook, verse, ad-libs. Uh, he saves that. He'll save it to his uh, profile, and then he can actually add, vo uh, add a video to that uh, original song he just created and create original music videos, share that music video across his social platforms, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, as well as sharing it back to the original uh, producer, which would be me, and in, in hopes of being discovered, pretty much with uh, uh, what is it, democratizing the, the recording process and uh, leveling the playing field for all youth around the world, especially outside of America that has no access to the music industry. We're giving them, giving them that access. Yeah, and I, I guess, um, I don't know how much time we have, but I'll go into the reason why we obviously created Recordgram. Um, as I said, I'm, I'm a, a musician, multi-platinum musician. I've had some success in my career. Obviously, Blackout has had the same. Um, one, of the, one of the most painstaking processes that I've seen happen to a lot of artists is that either A, you don't have access to a studio. Um, maybe in America, a lot of us do, but in other foreign countries, they don't. And, and B, it's, it's very expensive to get into a studio, and it's very expensive for studio equipment. So uh, we created this process to democratize the whole way aspiring artists uh, choose to record. Uh, so we give them a platform, we give them a utility tool, we allow them to come and record. Everything is done for either under $5. Most of the music in our platform is actually free. And then now it becomes... Uh, well, I guess obviously essentially for them as aspiring artists, uh, we give them the ability to see if they have what it takes to be in the music business in the first place. Um, and they can kind of use it as a, a platform or a tool to have fun with or maybe take seriously. Um, and then our goal as a, as a company is to give some of these, uh, these aspiring artists life-changing experiences. So, uh, you know, we, we uh, run a lot of contests on our platform. Um, you know, w whether it be winning some money or winning the opportunity to meet an artist that they enjoy, uh, uh, you know, uh, listening to. So uh, it's pretty much why Recordgram was created. And I'll let Blackout get back into his pitch. So um, here's a few of our, you know, not competitors, but uh, platforms in our space. Uh, Musical.ly has about 200 million users. They're worth about a billion dollars. Uh, Smule is worth about $600 million, just to give you an idea of the market value. Um, the difference with Recordgram is that we deal with original music, so uh, while Musical.ly is a karaoke platform, we feel like there's a small percentage of those kids on that platform that actually has the talent to create original music and would love to create original music with uh, award-winning music producers. So um, we, being that we are original music, we don't have to deal with the licensing, and um, uh, we're kind of growing the market. They're doing karaoke, we're taking it a step further and turning that into a professional career. And uh, we're also integrating blockchain. Our, our third co-founder is actually upstairs right now. He's the pitch master. He's, he's usually doing this, but he's upstairs right now on the blockchain panel with Brian Zisk. Um, but uh, yeah, we've been doing a, a lot. Uh, this year has been great for us. Um, we have a small sizzle reel that we'd like to play for you guys uh, so you can see what's been going on with Recordgram. Recordgram. We don't sleep. To us, this isn't work. This is what our passion is. This is what we do 24-7. Warner, Sony, and Universal. Warner Music, Universal Music, and Sony Publishing already have a vested interest in us and are hoping that we succeed. Users can discover beats, write to that beat, record to that beat, creating an original song, then shooting a video to that original song, sharing that video across their social platform, as well as Recordgram instantly turning their friends into fans.
could be the future of where talent is found. We should let the kids have the opportunity to create content and get the distribution in an easier way than it is now. Recordgram is really that utility function and being able to collaborate uh, from, from Dubai to India to America all on the mobile device without ever having to speak to each other. So this thing, Recordgram, I thought it would be perfect for you as a producer. So as an artist, I've been able to go on there and find beats that producers like you put on there. Many of our most successful investments have been controversial decisions. And if we have people on the investment team that are pounding the table saying this is a big opportunity, and we believe in what these guys can do, then we should give them that opportunity. Eric and Winston, I feel like you guys just have music running through your blood. What we've heard is an incredible story. I think we're at the moment where we could see an entirely new way in which people create content. Everyone believes that the cell phone is becoming the new television. We also believe that with Recordgram, the cell phone is also becoming the new recording studio. I think with the existing app that's built today, plus the relationship that you have with Will and others. We need to give you a check that helps you turn over that card. We don't have time to go all the way down the line, but a couple of questions from the judges. Yeah, cool, cool app. I'm actually not aware that we have a deal with you in place, but uh, <laughs> it's okay. I know you guys are talking to our friends from uh, Atlantic Records, so it's, it's all good. Um, so in terms of rights management, how do you, so you mentioned blockchain, right? So Todd records um, one of your tracks and he uploads it, uploads it on DistroKid and becomes the next Despacito. How do you figure out uh, who owns what and how do you, what's the path to monetization? How do you sort of split the rights and, and, and admin? Um, so as of current right now in the app, we leave everything locked into the app. Uh, we haven't implemented blockchain yet. That's probably going to come in the next six months or so. Um, with the implementation of blockchain, obviously, we'd attach a smart contract to every uh, uh, transaction within the app. So it'll allow, uh, obviously, seamlessly to track uh, the uh, progress between whatever work he does with another producer, etc. So once it leaves the platform, um, it lives, that smart tracks contract lives within that record and uh, it allows us to track it and you as well. It's full transparency, which is something that the music industry is lacking in pretty much. We'll take one more question from the judges. The, um, in regards to the, I know you guys didn't go over the, um, the ICO offering yes. you know, much, but I'm, I'm just wondering, um, is the intention that the coins make it to the artists? Uh, absolutely. So uh, we have seven that's different uses. That's hot. That's such a great idea. <laughs> I'm just, that's just. Yeah, I mean, we, we want to use the, the, the token system to reward um, not only artists, but also fans as well. So we want fans to have the ability to create and generate income based on the, the amount of uh, music that they share on the platform. So not, artists don't just get rewarded. Producers and fans as well get rewarded using blockchain and our token system. I think it's just an incredible mashup of all the relevant technology that's going on today. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. We're, su we're super excited about you guys. Thank you. Okay, we're, we're going to run over, but I promise the alcohol is not going to run out. So please, please stay in the room for this last startup because they deserve for you to stick around. So Vamper, um, come on up stage.
And I'll quickly mention, there was three companies who won who couldn't make it today. Sound Charts out of Paris, they're a data platform, data's hot. Um, they do have an offering for indie artists on there as well. Ubercord out of Berlin, and Vinci Smart Headphones, which I'm not sure where they're from. Um, but all this stuff, once again, is at sfmusictech.com slash startup, so you can catch links to all these different companies and go check them out. The headphones are super cool. Hi, everyone. I'm sorry that I'm preventing you from drinking right now. I understand what that's like. I've been on the receiving end. What do we do? Essentially, we're a professional connection service for musicians. And why does that matter? Because every step of the way in music, as uh, you guys have all validated today by pure virtue of turning up, involves networking and collaborating. So whether you're the bedroom musician or you, know, you play stadiums, there is a, a team that comes with that, from playing in a club with having a front of house guy right through to having a whole support network. Every step along the way involves either collaborating or transacting and paying some sort of money. Uh, this is a checklist that's purposely convoluted because there's probably no other industry in the world where you have to connect with people every step of the way as much as there is in creative fields, specifically music. Why does this matter? Because these people, most of the time, kids, most of these people obviously don't break, uh, spending a lot of money and a lot of time over the course of their lifespan, parting with cash and parting with time, and a professional connection tool for the entire industry that services all segments is important, it's necessary, and it currently doesn't exist. There's one billion musicians and aspiring music professionals. This means people who have spent money on purchasing an instrument, are spending money on tuition, or are trying to break into the field of either management or graphic design or some services element related to the music industry, and they're spending over $45 billion a year on themselves. This isn't on purchasing music. This is on personal development to advance their career but it still comes down to where you live and who you know. This is a truism. As is, LinkedIn fails the creative industries, specifically music. Who in here has ever used uh, LinkedIn, sorry, to find a drummer? <laughs> it's great if you're an accountant. I mean, I've used it to find a lawyer, but I can't say that I've used it to uh, find my next front of house engineer. Vamba is the most effective social and professional uh, social network for musicians and music professionals. And this is how it works. So I've got a phone here. You're not going to be able to see it very well, but I'd like to show some of it if you can see this because uh, we have a beautiful UI. So essentially, it kind of looks like Tinder. We're going somewhere really cool with it. Uh, this is the catch. This is what gets people in. It's why we're scaling so much you know, quicker and more effectively than our competitors. But essentially, you can connect with someone you can pass, or you can throw them away to see them again later. And the way that we do that is with a clever algorithm. So when you first sign in, what we do is we pass all of your content from Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, SoundCloud with a single click. And we bring all of this stuff together and create your musical identity. So you click in deep, and the second image there shows what's a deep profile. And that's where you can see someone's iTunes library, and then we tell you what music you have in common. And the way that we show you results is based on how many artists in common you have. So I can say I'm looking for a drummer, in Orlando who has, uh, I want five songs in common and they're female and they're between the ages of 22 and 31 and I will get a result. From there you swipe your preference, connect and collaborate. Oops. And this is uh, proof of how it's going right now. So we spent about a year trying to work out exactly what the hell it was we were doing as every startup in the room did and we survived that first sort of year and a bit. And it started to skyrocket and we made some internal pivots. We never really deviated from the original mission. 
but now today we stand 4.5 million swipes, 750,000 professional connections in the music industry that simply didn't exist before Vampa. We're getting users for about nine cents at the moment. We're seeing about 1,000 new members a day, and in the last five months we've seen 100,000 new members join our platform. We're sitting around about 122,000 right now. Why does that work? Why, do, why are we seeing that kind of growth? Because uh, there's been other people who have done this. We've all seen sites before that say they do this shit. Oh, excuse me, I've had a, I've, I had a pre-beer before I came here. Um, well, because it's, we're a quick, it's quick. Everything about our platform is quick from sign up through to the way it works. As you saw, it's, it's simple. It's frictionless, so your content doesn't need to be re-uploaded. As a musician who came to this, I wasn't in tech before I did this, um, I hated being told about these new sites that sounded amazing but have to go through that pain point of uploading my content again and again and again. Our search is simple. We have the simplest search in the entire world of any of these platforms. It's so easy to say drummer, age, location, go. Audio visual assessment, this is where the LinkedIn side of it fails. You can audition someone comprehensively on Vampa in a way that you simply can't on any other professional connection platform that has scale and volume of users. It's secure, we encrypt our messages end to end, and most importantly, it's gamified. So networking's a chore, we all know it. We all enjoy this because we get a pre-party and a post-party and we get a million snack breaks, but networking sucks and it isn't fun. And so this is, I think, why we're seeing the success level we have. We've got users in 169 countries, 57% have made a connection. Think about that. So a lot of y'all have worked with people and you might have given someone a break or at some point everyone here received a break. We're seeing on our platform 57% of people getting some sort of a break, which is incredible. And it's across about 52 different market segments. We're adding about one a day. I don't know if you guys can see that, but we service everything from agents to you know, backing singers to wedding bands to front of house engineers the list goes on. Every segment you can think of related to the music industry, we attempt to service, and if it's not there, we endeavor to add it. Um, this is what we've raised to date. I'm not gonna go into it because we all wanna go and have another drink. This is what we're asking for. Actually, no, you know what, I will go back because it's important to say here, one thing about this is that we over-delivered on every metric. So we're right in the middle of our third round at the moment. We've done two rounds to date, and the thing that those two rounds achieved that we're most proud of anyway is that we over-delivered on every metric that we promised. Um, and this is what we're promising for the next part of that. So we're healthily into this round. We definitely want to close it down. We're definitely still interested in finding a US investor. Most of the money at the moment is coming from Asia, uh, America, sorry, Asia, Australia, or China, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know. He handles, he handles the South Hemisphere, Southern Hemisphere. I do the Northern Hemisphere. Um, that's my partner over there. Now, how do we monetize it, which is usually the question people ask. So, has anyone in here ever paid for LinkedIn or Crunchbase or anything? Oh, what's going on here? I'm not going to update Java. Get up. <laughs> who updates Java? Right. So, uh, who in here, has anyone here paid for LinkedIn in mail or Crunchbase or AngelList or anything like that or Grindr or Tinder or... Right. So, these are, these are meat platforms, what we're talking about. <laughs> Your hand was up for... Tinder or? Right yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> Just checking, Michael. Okay. So, no, so people, uh, what, what we've seen in the market in general across all apps is that people are willing to spend money to meet strangers. They're not willing to spend money to talk to their friends. We kind of have the benefit of both of that. So, we've got this platform where there's a really lovely looking UI and you natively see all this, you know, people essentially. We can insert things of real value in there and, and, and sort of. I guess get the best of both worlds, but we're leaning more heavily on the subscription side. So ads as a business model exclusively suck and isn't very sustainable unless you've got 10 million people or 100 million active users. We get to sort of lean into both those a little bit. So these are our two main streams. The first one is Vampa Pro. So 
you're a guitarist in Los Angeles on the platform, there's 100,000 other people who meet your criteria. How do you get ahead? How do you get more swipes? How do you get more connections in a day than the next guitarist? Because you're serious about making some, something happen. That's Vampa Pro and it's coming in June 2018. And the second half of the equation is our contextual ads. We're doing three trial campaigns this year. We've uh, started to roll out a couple of them. We've done one with BBC. We're in the middle of one with Emerge and Atlantic. Uh, and the final one this year will be with Song Trader. So far we've seen 10,000 uh, unique engagements on average over two weeks. This is pretty incredible. So we're not charging at this point because we're trying to set a baseline price for next year when we start rolling this out. The reason why we're seeing such high engagements is because the campaigns are genuine value adds to our musicians. So when we did the BBC campaign, they did their what was called uh, Jesus Christ, I can't remember the name of the event. It doesn't matter. They, BBC Introducing, which is a, a platform for unsigned artists, did an event in London where they basically had all of the hosts and all of the DJs come out and speak. And we gave exposure to our London users, uh, I guess advanced exposure to that event. We saw incredible engagement that like they didn't even predict. And they spent a lot more money than I care to admit on stage on Facebook ads, and we did that for nothing. So it's a very genuine stream for us because we're not like Facebook and we've got people from all different backgrounds, we're very much a niche user base. Everyone on there is musicians and working class and working hard and actively trying to network. So it's a unique kind of ad, contextual ad we call it, that we get to display. Uh, and this is the second half of that. This is the subscription part of it. So I'm gonna go through this super quickly, but introducing Vampa Pro includes a feed, notifications, Instagram and Spotify integration, endorsements, playlists and it's coming in June and this is the future of Vampa. So we started with this Tinder for Musicians thing. Has anyone in here seen our ad? Like a few people had mentioned it so that's why I asked. But it's, it's been getting out there and it's been doing the rounds and uh, people go, oh you're the Tinder for Musicians. It's like, well that's very narrow and it's great because it does sum us up in a sentence but we're basically using that as a gimmick to get people into this world. Uh, where they can start to almost learn because social networks essentially you're learning every day you're watching that Cindy just made a comment on Sam's track and blah blah and we do this on Facebook but this is with friends so when we introduce the feed when we introduce uh, notifications and playlists and such we're watching people do this in a professional sense but it's still fun and you can waste a lot of hours on it and build your network in the meantime so to answer a long-winded question will musicians spend money to get ahead the answer is absolutely yes we know that already they spend $1,500 on their first instrument, or 400 even. They spend $20 a week on tuition. They back themselves for years at a time. Would you spend the money to be seen and, and get ahead of that pack if you were truly on the biggest social network of its kind? The answer is yes. And it's all powered by our team. So between us, we've got Hall of Famers. Uh, we've got multi-platinum artists. We've got Matt Adzel there in the corner, who some of you probably know from previous years here at SF Music Tech. Uh, our CTO has been with us since day one, as has the rest of our tech team. They've come, we poach them from the top three networks in Australia. So you guys have about 3,000 channels in the US, but in Australia we have about four. So we, we stole one of the developers from the, from the TV networks there and he came across. And anyway, we've done, an, I'm, I'm, the most thing I'm proud of with my team is that we've stuck together as long as we have, two and a half years, and thank you. So yes, as I said, we are in the middle of a round. Come and say hello. Uh, we like talking to people as well. And, We'll be happy to shout you a free drink from the bar. Okay, let's, one or two questions. Anyone from this end? Good. Uh, I mean, ordinarily I'd, I'd be pretty critical of any new social network just because, well, there's so many already, but I, I think it seems like you've, you've shown you can do it to some extent already, so, so it seems pretty promising. Thank you. 
I mean, I actually totally agree with that. When we first thought of it, we purposely said we'll never use the word social network because <laughs> the social networks are here to stay. Facebook's not going anywhere. Twitter's not going anywhere. We're not trying to be. We're a professional network. And we use social just to communicate the essence quickly. But I totally agree. No one should try and make the new next social network. We're a, very, we're a niche, but we're a niche that extends to billions of people. Any other questions? I, I really like your approach. I think you really identified a need in the marketplace because there is not a great solution out there today. And um, that, that's really amazing. I didn't know we had a billion musicians in the world. That's, that's unbelievable. So there's a billion people who own an instrument and who pay and plus pay for uh, tuition every year. Got it. And, and I think the other thing that people always forget is every single year there's a wave of probably 10 or 20 million people who turn 13 who buy their first instrument and do it through school. Right. And the only reason why they stop is because someone says you can't make money from music. Right. So if we can solve the problem of connectivity and networking, that problem disappears. So, so in your roadmap, now I found a, I have a wedding band. Yeah. Can I use Vamper now in the next iteration to, to match with um, actual you know, grooms and, and brides to, to find gigs? We'll talk after the presentation. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Can I just quickly have all the winners stand up and we're gonna clap for them. He won the startup competition. Congratulations. Uh, since we ran, ran over, if you have questions for the startups, just ask them individually. Otherwise, enjoy the cocktail party and come back next year and we'll have awesome updates about all these guys.